Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NBA strategy show. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, Greg Ehrenberg, breaking it all down here. One game, single game showdown slate. And once again, a ton of huge prize pools, a ton of huge top prize, $100,000 up top in the NBA showdown 5K shoot around on FanDuel, $100,000 in the Thursday NBA shot machine, $500,000 prize pool there. Greg, it just keeps coming, man. Even on a night, with Thursday night football, and yes, I'll be the first to tell you, I love bad football games from a betting and DFS standpoint. Last week, Cleveland, Cincinnati. This week, Jacksonville, Miami. But even on a day like that, we still have huge, huge contests out there for NBA for a one-game slate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we pretty clearly see what the priorities are of DFS sites, right? I mean, it's football one, basketball two, baseball. There will be big prize pools if nothing else is going on. If there's big football and basketball games, then, then that's what the priority is. And yeah, I mean, we're really seeing it that it doesn't, it almost feels like no matter how big contests are for football and basketball, they're going to fill, right? Like, I mean, they get, they throw out multi-million dollar prize pools for one game football and basketball slates and they fill really without much problem. There's definitely a different element to, to golf being that it's only, you know, locking one day a week and then you've got some smaller contests throughout the weekend, but PGA, it feels like you could throw any contest out there and it would fill too. What other what other sport do they run mil, uh, uh, multiple millimakers every season and fill them easily? Yeah, nothing. By the way, uh, I mean they they tried to run a millimaker for MMA. It came pretty close to filling the couple ones they did, but didn't quite get there. Yeah, but that's um, not that doesn't count. That was during COVID. Yeah, uh, but, but but they still didn't even fill. So right. I mean it's. It's, it's, it's basketball, football, and, and nothing else. I, I do wonder this. What is the cap to a football contest? I, I kind of feel like DraftKings could make as big of a contest they wanted for football, and as long as they limited some of the prize pools of other contests, it would fill. Like I think they could do a $10 million prize pool, and, and it would end up filling. Did they fill the $5 millimaker in week one? I think they did. Did they not? I don't know. Because sometimes it seems like they'll actually try for some overlay in the first week. So they they usually do, and I think it it just filled anyway this week. Interesting. Okay, yeah. But I'm telling you, PGA is the only other sport where they have several millionaire makers every year um, or every season. And with this one, man, they were doing million makers for small tournaments before all the sports came back. So, yeah, golf is definitely in the the equation. And uh, you know what? Like football, there are not – 
seven slates, one every day of the week. But we're here to talk basketball. We're happy to have you guys with us, as always. Uh, Greg, yesterday, Miami and the Boston Celtics, Miami takes a 3-1 lead. Tyler Hero goes for 37 points. Uh, it, it is remarkable that you know, he is he is pulling the, uh, the Miami Heat to a, a Game 4 victory. Meanwhile, Kemba Walker hasn't had a single game in this series where you can look at him and say, man, they should have won because of Kemba or they did win because of Kemba. Yeah, so I think bring up Tyler Hero. We redo the draft from last year. He pretty clearly goes third, right? Is there is, is there any way he wouldn't go third in a redraft? The Knicks would take him over RJ Barrett in a heartbeat, I feel like. So what order would you go in? It would be still Zion one, Morant two, and then yeah. Hero three. Zion, Ja, and Hero. Yeah, I mean, definitely over RJ Barrett. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, Maybe. so I guess... The, the other plays, the other players you consider is Cam Reddish wasn't great the first half of the year. Toby does seem to be one of the higher upside players in the draft class. I guess he'd be in the mix. Uh, Brandon Clark was really good, but I don't necessarily think he has the same star upside. He would be in the mix, but I think yeah, Tyler Hero pretty clearly would be the third pick in the draft if they redid it. Definitely wouldn't be R.J. Barrett. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, I think Kobe White's going to end up being a pretty good player too. By the way, he's somebody I, I, I do like going forward. Put him on a team that actually has some ability. How many would you take RJ? How many would you take over RJ Barrett? See, this is tough for me because um, I wrote not very nice things about RJ Barrett heading into the draft. This was even before the lottery, before I knew the Knicks had the pick, uh, not including any sort of Knicks bias. And I always think it's going to be harder for players to develop in New York just with the team culture they have right now. So that's also a little bit of a knock against him. But a lot of the issues that RJ Barrett had in college carried over to the NBA. He, he wasn't a great finisher around the rim in college. I think per synergy, he had something uh, right around 50th percentile finishing at the rim. Uh, wasn't a good three-point shooter. Uh, turnover to assist rate isn't that good. And also, if you look at how athleticism translate from, translates from college to the NBA, steal rate is something that a lot of uh, people who are better at draft analysis than me will will look at. They'll say, like, hey, steal rate is a really good way to translate how effective somebody's athleticism in college will translate to the NBA. He had a, a low steal rate in college. So, I mean, R.J. Barrett, I think there's a lot of red flags there, especially because a lot of his issues from college he didn't really improve upon in the NBA. Um, so it, it's hard for me to say that I would pick him, like, top eight or anything like that. Would you take him over Rui? I would take Rui before, before Barrett. Would you take Kobe White over Barrett? I would take Kobe White over Barrett also. Okay, here's a good one for you. Would you take Jackson Hayes over him? No, I would take I would take Barrett over Jackson Hayes okay. just because th there's very few centers that are that impactful, and I still think because of the pedigree of RJ Barrett, there's a chance for him to have upside that a lot of those kind of fringe big men don't have. So even though I'm much lower on Barrett than generally the public is, I I I, do, I wouldn't take him over somebody who's a big man that's kind of in the same position. Tyler Hero's 37 points was the most by uh, any rookie in a co uh, conference finals series. So. That should tell you all you need to know. Only one game, sure, but he dropped 22 last time out and has scored one fewer point than Kemba Walker in this series. Not good if you're Kemba Walker or the Boston Celtics. But anyway, we move on. Tonight we've got the L.A. Lakers. We've got the Denver Nuggets. Denver might be the most resilient team I've seen in a, in a long time, Greg. They just keep coming. It looks like they're down and out. Down 3-1 against Utah. Down 3-1 against the Clippers who had the third best odds in some books, the second best odds to win the finals this year, gone. Take them out in game seven in blowout fashion. Now here we go. 
game four, down 2-1, 214 total in this one. And the Lakers are laying six points uh, as the de facto road team. We'll start with the Denver Nuggets, dive right into it here. The, the biggest question I have for you right now. Okay, so it's not a DFS question, but it is related. Is Jamal Murray cementing himself as an elite player throughout this 2020 postseason? Ish. So, I mean, he's here's why. If he was to continue to play like this, then yes, he certainly would be going forward. I still haven't seen enough of it to think this is just who he is from now on. So that's where there's, it's still a small sample size, right? And we've seen a lot of guys who are fantastic in the playoffs that then regress a little bit in the regular season. So this is where I still have questions about him. I mean, he could still very likely be an all-star level player, player next year, but I still look at all the guards in the West for next season, and I don't expect Jamal Murray to be an all-star because there's so many good guards in the West. I mean, there's still Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, uh, James Harden. There's so many guys that are ahead of Murray that I still think that if the odds for next year were to come out and say that he's minus 110 on both sides to make the all-star game, I would be, I would say no on him. So okay. I, I guess, so I, I guess the question is what, what really qualifies somebody as an elite player? So I can tell you this, there is an elite level of fantasy upside right now because of the minutes that Michael Malone is giving him. He's played 44 minutes in back-to-back games. Now uh, that's an absurd amount of minutes, even in the postseason. Uh, and, and if you just look at his rotations, he played the he played the entire second half, the full 24 minutes, uh, and he rested four minutes in the second quarter. Jamal Murray, unless this game is so out of control that there is no reason to play him in the remaining five or six minutes of this game, is going to get another 44 minutes, uh, you know, maybe 42 minutes, but he's going to play well over 40 minutes for the third straight game. So here's the other thing with Murray, and I don't want to make this seem like I'm crapping on Murray at all because I really like Murray a lot, but I still look at his fantasy output and his price tag compared to, because we have to look at him in, in terms of him being a viable fantasy option. He's priced right in the same range as LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Nikola Jokic on this league. He's a little bit cheaper, but he's in the same neighborhood. And we look at his efficiency from the last few games, uh, going back to uh, game six against the Clippers. He shot 69% from the field, 58%, 58%, 42%, 59%. Outrageously good, but I also can't project him to continue that kind of efficiency. And if he doesn't shoot that well from the field, he's just not going to have good fantasy games because we've seen that all throughout the playoffs. At his current price, he needs to be scoring you know, huge point totals to be able to pay off his salary. And last game, even though he shot 59% from the field, he only scored 28 points. Game one of the series where he shot 58% from the field, he only scored 21 points. So he, he needs to be that efficient to be able to pay off the salary. And it, it's hard for me to project that. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to what does his ownership look like? And, and once again, he is, he is extremely popular. Matter of fact, he's pulling a lot more ownership than LeBron James and Anthony Davis, both of them coming in at 62 and 60% respectively, while Murray's sitting at 80%. That is tough. Now, last game, if you didn't have Jamal Murray, I can't imagine you were winning anything. Uh, you know, him and LeBron James both went for, for huge performances. LeBron with the 30-point triple-double. Uh, and then Anthony Davis, meanwhile, had a, a really tough time hitting the boards. Dude. They, I saw some tweets about... Like, yeah, they've got three guys out there north of 6'10", and they combined for three rebounds. I think it was Dwight, JaVale, and, and Anthony Davis. Really bad rebounding totals. That's not something I expect to continue, but uh, we'll stick with Denver for a second. Nikola Jokic is 
if we're talking same ballpark in terms of pricing as Davis and James, these three guys are Jokic 12K, uh, Davis 12.4, LeBron 12.8. From a captain standpoint, Jokic is 1,800, Davis 18.6, and LeBron 19.2. So there's really not much separation there between the three. So I'm looking at the projected ownership now that we have it up. And like you said, Murray ridiculously popular. Nikola Jokic, 89% projected ownership. Huh. I mean, I'm just, I'm just comparing these guys, these guys in terms of what they're projected for. And I think we have to consider LeBron and Anthony Davis stronger plays just because they have 20% less ownership than those Look guys. at the captain spot ownership. It's even more extreme. Yes, yeah, so we've got uh, Jokic projected for 23%, Murray 19%, 8%, LeBron 8%, AD. That's a really big gap between those guys, especially when we consider that for the season, uh, yeah, Jokic was a was a terrific fantasy producer, but not as good as LeBron or Anthony Davis. So for the year, 47 fantasy points per game for Jokic, 55 per game for LeBron, 50.4 per game for Anthony Davis, 36.2 per game for Jamal Murray. Now, I understand Jamal Murray, totally different player in the playoffs, so take that with a grain of salt. But still, we have to ask ourselves, is Jamal Murray – in the same ballpark with fantasy producer overall as Jokic, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. And to me, it's it's no, unless he's going to continue to shoot 60, 65% from the field, 7-5 DraftKings points. And for his price tag and the other options up there, it's just not enough. So you ask what my overall take is on these guys. I, on a one-game slate, I can't say that Jokic and Murray aren't viable, but LeBron and Anthony Davis are higher priority plays for me unless something changes with the ownership. Given how big of a gap there is and how much people are going to be rostering Jokic and Murray compared to LeBron and AD when also looking at the LeBron and AD have been the better fantasy producers of, of that, of those four group of players all season. It, to me, I think that LeBron and AD make a lot more sense. All right. So um, by the way, in case anyone was curious, Will Barton, despite being priced as the third highest nugget, uh, isn't expected to make a return anytime soon. After those two though, it falls off after Jokic and Porter, You've got, or sorry, Jokic and Murray. You've got Michael Porter Jr., who got off to a very good start last game, fizzled out a little bit. It shouldn't come as much of a surprise, uh, but he played 22 minutes. He had nine and six. Uh, aside from him, though, Jeremy Grant was was really the star in game three. He had a, a whole lot to do with them defeating the Lakers to make this a 2-1 series. 26 points on the day and only 11, 11 free or field goal attempts. When does Jeremy Grant get to the line 12 times? This is telling you, you want to talk about an anomaly, an exception to the rule. Jeremy Grant getting to the charity strike 12 times or six trips, whatever it was, is one of the craziest things you're going to see. But he played another big role, big minutes. Um, it, it, it certainly feels like, though, whenever Jeremy Grant is chalk, his, his, numbers, his numbers do not follow. But on a slate like this, He's $5,600, and his ownership projection is currently coming in as like 15th highest. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 or 15th highest on this entire slate. Uh, it's pretty crazy, but here he is. What are we doing with Grant coming off this banger? Yeah, I mean, at 15% ownership, I think that he's interesting. The thing is, I don't think that 15% ownership number is going to hold through lock. I'm going to assume he's going to go up. He was only 6% on last game, and that was one of the – uh, many players we've seen at low ownership kind of break these one game showdown slates. Uh, yet 35 DraftKings points, scored 26 real life points. Here's the deal with Jeremy Grant, though. You look at his numbers throughout the playoffs, he's very consistently been playing 35, some games even over 40 minutes. He had uh, two games in a row, he played over 40 minutes against the Clippers. 
and he hasn't done anything within the playoffs until last game. His, his playoff career high fantasy point total was 26 fantasy points until he went off last game. He's, he's been right around, you know, 18 to 21 fantasy points or so in most playoff games. So last game, like you said, definitely an outlier. He, he doesn't get to the free throw line 12 times at all. It was actually the first time in the playoffs he'd gotten to the free throw line more than four times, even though he's been pretty regularly been, uh, playing massive minutes. So I, I think that Jeremy Grant is okay. Uh, it also depends where this ownership number comes out. If it's, if it's 15%, then yeah, I love Jeremy Grant. I also, I also don't think it's going to be 15%. I think that people are going to be box score watching. And by the time we get closer to lock, I expect he's going to be closer to 30% or so ownership. And if that's the case, I have less interest in Grant. Yeah. You really have to look at this from, you have to take a broad view of this. He, he has a 15% usage rate in the postseason. His rebounding rates like five or 6%, which is really heinous for someone that, you know, has played the, the power forward position quite a bit. Uh, I, if, 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 if it holds and seven o'clock, eight o'clock rolls around and we get our final ownership update and Jeremy Grant continues to be super, super discounted from an ownership perspective, then I'm, I'm, I'm okay getting there. But aside from that, uh, if it does begin to, to creep up the, the chances it's, it's, it's more likely than not that he has one of these sub 20 fantasy point or 22 fantasy point games then a 35 spot where, like I said, he's never getting to the line as much as he did. Zero attempts, two, two, four, two, two, zero, four, uh, two over his last 10. Just not going to happen. What else are you doing with the Nuggets here? Yeah, so I think we moved down. Uh, and you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. In between him and Paul Millsap, the minutes have been pretty tough to predict in the playoffs. Sometimes it's uh, Paul Millsap getting the, in the big minutes. Sometimes it's Michael Porter Jr., the one thing to take note is that they're definitely negatively correlated. There's no way both of them will have big games. It's going to be either one or the other. And the way this series is, has shaken out so far, I think it's more likely to be Millsap than Michael Porter Jr. Uh, even though Millsap doesn't have big fantasy totals, we look at the minutes from the last two games, 31 and 28 minutes. The one game that uh, Michael Porter Jr. played a bunch of minutes was game one, uh, but that was also a blowout. And Michael Porter Jr., if you guys remember, he broke GPP slates in game one. But it all came in the fourth quarter when it was like a 20-point game. The game was well over. So as long as you expect this game to be competitive, Paul Millsap, I think, is going to be the guy that gets most of the of the forward minutes here. And at 6,000, I think he's a better play than Michael Porter Jr. is at 6,800. Okay. You have any other uh, any other intro? Actually, let's do this. Let's talk about some of these, these really cheap guys for Denver. Uh, P.J. Dozier didn't get off the bench last game. Prior to that, he had played 12 and 14 minutes. It's it's difficult to, to understand what Malone's going to do with some of these guys. Uh, Monty Morris got off to a solid start, finished with 18 fantasy points in 20 minutes. That's kind of what you're expect or hoping for at, at that price point. There are a few very cheap options that uh, at least deserve our attention from a, a quick discussion standpoint. Mason Plumlee is not going to really get any minutes unless Nikola Jokic is in trouble, like from game one. So that was an outlier. Uh, and anything else to you at the bottom here worth talking about? Torrey Craig, also $2,000. Uh, so Gary Harris is at 4,200. He's projected to have decent ownership right now, but I think it makes sense. Uh, Gary Harris, his minutes have generally been high in the playoffs. They weren't in the first couple of games of the series. He just kind of sucked in game two and game one was because of the blowout. But then the last game he played 32 minutes. Didn't really do much with it, scored 11 fantasy points. But still, overall for the playoffs, Gary Harris is playing big minutes. He's been okay-ish. He's been somebody who's more often scored over 20 fantasy points and under when his minutes have been unrestricted. 
So for that reason, I look at Gary Harris at 4,200. I think that he is the most sensible value play from Denver. On to the Lakers side, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, we discussed this, both of them getting around 60% projected ownership right now. They are uh, the two highest priced players on this slate on the same team. LeBron James, 12-8, Anthony Davis, 12-4. We already kind of broke down where we stand on them. Uh, I'm in agreement with you that if that ownership, that's a big gap for showdown, Greg, like that. That's a much bigger gap than I would have anticipated. And I would not have thought that Jokic and Murray were the ones getting 87 and or 89 and 80% while James and Davis were down there uh, at, at 60. Maybe from a roster construction standpoint, it's just really difficult to get LeBron James into the captain spot, but I can't imagine it's that much easier with, uh, with Murray or specifically Nikola Jokic. So uh, let's talk about it one more time at the top, LeBron James and Anthony Davis overall feelings or sentiment towards them on this slate yeah i mean it's just the gap in ownership is so ridiculous between the lakers guys and the nuggets guys and like i said before the lakers guys have been better fantasy producers over the course of the season and then look at nicole Jokic, who's projected to be the highest owned player on the slate and you said maybe the salary savings are a factor i mean maybe but Nikola Jokic in the utility is twelve thousand. anthony davis is twelve thousand four hundred. lebron james is twelve thousand eight hundred. So it's not like there's thousands of dollars of price gap between them. It's fairly minimal. And then we look at just the big gap in the ownership and it's not warranted to me, in my opinion. And I think that LeBron James is overall the best captain play on the slate. I understand that he is also the most, uh, the, the highest, highest priced, but still we look at him throughout the course of the playoffs. He's, he's had a really high ceiling. So last game, I mean, he scored 69 uh, DraftKings points last game. It's not like he's coming off some poor game where people are, are all of a sudden looking at LeBron and saying like, oh, like what's, what's wrong with LeBron? He's been great for a fantasy standpoint. And if you look at all of his box scores over the course of the playoffs, he has way more games with over 60 fantasy points than he has with under 60 fantasy points. So I just, I just don't get the ownership here. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. Um, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ultimately, LeBron James is, is capable... So LeBron James, you're talking about his ceiling. There, there's no reason to believe that you know, Jamal Murray has a higher ceiling than LeBron James. We just know that not to be true. Uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, it's pretty similar. Both of them can rip off monster triple doubles with a ton of peripherals. Understandable. But if that's the case, give me the guy that's 29% lower, lesser owned right now than, than, LeBron, than LeBron James. Uh, I'm sorry, than, than uh, Nikola Jokic. To me, it just makes too much sense. Maybe we see it balance out a little bit throughout the day. If that's the case, we can kind of recalibrate our thoughts. But as of now, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to go in that direction. Rajon Rondo was someone that, that Adam Sher and I on Tuesday's show talked about being uh, a really good pivot at low ownership. And his ownership didn't come in quite as low as it was projected for earlier in the day. But the process there was, was accurate through and through 28 fantasy points. Wasn't spectacular. His first half was kind of ugly. He had four and four with an, with a rebound, but all in all, if, if you're telling me that I can get Rondo 
that last game at 15% and he's going to play 30 minutes when everyone else is projecting him for 21. And you're saying, look, there are times where Rondo plays well and he gets those minutes and Frank Vogel will leave him out there, which he did. There are going to be nights where he goes for, you know, 12, 10 and seven with a few steals and you were sitting at the top of tournaments today. Rajan Rondo uh, is projected for ownership all the way down at 2.4%. There's no way this holds. I'm telling you right now. It's it's, not over under. Give me the over way before the under on that number. Oh, it's not. I, if, if a book set something on that, they would need to be closed down very shortly (laughs) because of the amount of money they're going to lose. But uh, I do think, I do think once again, Rondo's ownership will come in relatively low. And the reason for that is I just think you're going to see a lot of people do everything they can to jam in three of the studs. Uh, And when that happens, you get guys like Rondo hung out to dry. Uh, And there aren't like, so put it this way, Greg, Rajon Rondo is in a league or he's in a tier of his own. I'm not even including Michael Porter because I think the, the, the likelihood that Rondo sees 30 minutes is far higher than Porter seeing 30 minutes in a game like this. So when I'm talking about this price range, Barton's out. So then you go to Murray at 10, six, then you go to Porter. But like I said, that's just a very strange spot. Millsap is the next one down at $6,000. So Rondo's Rondo's in no man's land here. And I do think it'll suppress his ownership, not to 2%, but I do think he's going to be a, a lot lesser owned than, than maybe he should be given the ability to play 30 minutes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if the ownership and let's throw out the 2.4% number, because we both agree that's not going to be the number. But even if we say that Rondo is going to be 15, 20% owned, that's still too low, given what he's done in the playoffs. And also that if you roster Rondo, like you said, assuming everybody's going to try to roster Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, try to get three of those stars, and you're going to be on a way different lineup construction by playing Rajon Rondo, because that's going to put you on different guys and different price range than everybody else. So as of now, looking at the initial ownership projections, and Rondo also has been great in the playoffs. For for as bad as, as Rondo was in the regular season, and as much as I have generally had a bias against Rondo, putting all that aside, we just look at a fantasy standpoint, how he's actually performed in the playoffs. He's been terrific. He's been the Lakers' third best player. Yeah. So we look at the 7,400 price tag. I don't think it's too high. It, it is higher than we've seen from him in the playoffs. But we've seen him against Houston, uh, three games in a row, 37 fantasy points, 39 fantasy points, 40 fantasy points. He's perfectly capable of putting up a really big score that, that would pay off that price tag. And I, I'm fine with, with rostering him as long as the ownership stays in check. He also played the final 17 minutes of the game. Rondo played 16 and a half minutes. So Frank Vogel trusted him out there. He closed the game alongside Caruso and Kuzma and, uh, and LeBron and Anthony Davis. So yeah, he closed that game. That's encouraging. Uh, if you've got Rondo out there as a closer, you can definitely not, I'm not saying you project him for 30 minutes here because the past few games, he's been under that uh, prior to last one, but can Rondo get 30 minutes? You're damn right. He can. And he, and he did last game. So if I can get 30 minutes out of a guy in Rondo who is a fantasy, a one fantasy point per minute guy with, with a, a much higher ceiling, given his propensity to rack up stats outside of just scoring, because scoring is not his, that's not his, the spot where he's really going to get it going. He's going to dish out a lot of assists. He's an above average rebounder at the position and he'll grab some steals as well. Uh, I just think it's too low. And like you said, even if it's 15%, that to me is, is, is still going to be way lower than, than I think he should be because 30 minutes for Rondo could result in 45 fantasy points. And if that's, if that happens, 
you're going to really hope that you have him in your lineup. How about some of the lesser expensive guys for the Lakers now that we're past the, the, the big two and then Rondo? Yeah, so, I mean, the next guy we move down, we see Kyle Kuzma. He has been so terrible in the playoffs, and it's funny. I watch these games with my brother, and you know how there's the Steph Curry, he he shoots from the corner, he, he starts running back the other way because he knows it to make. It's the exact same with Kyle Kuzma, but the opposite, where he shoots a shot. It's like, okay, the possession's over, so we can go back on defense because we already know that he's missed the shot. Yeah. I have the same confidence in Steph Curry in, in Kyle Kuzma I do in Steph Curry. I know the result of the shot in the corner when it already goes up. So you have the same you have the same confidence in Kuzma to to miss. I, I, I know the result when the shot goes when the shot goes up and he's open the corner. I know what's happening. Right. I, I I know that they're going back on defense, played out of possession because the because he missed the shot. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying is that it's the same thing. Both of them could turn around and not look at the results of the shot. Because know we, what's going to happen. We, we know what's happening. So the point being, I don't like Kyle Kuzma in this spot. It's hard to trust him at this point. You look at his uh, game logs in the playoffs. He's not had a single good game. He's had some games where he was okay. Efficient wise, except it's because he takes like seven shots. Like he did last game. He goes four of seven. He hasn't scored more than, uh, 28 fantasy points once in the playoffs. It's just not enough to win a GPP. The actual ceiling for, for Kuzma in the playoffs was 28 points in a blowout against the Rockets where he played a bunch of garbage time. Outside of that, I mean, you look at his games in this series, and he's even playing decent minutes. He's playing well over 20 every game. 16 fantasy points, 11, 13. There's just no ceiling for Kuzma. I think that we could pretty comfortably avoid him. Frank Vogel's taking the Bill Belichick approach and just listing everybody as questionable or probable. Uh, really questionable but they're all probable to play Danny Green being one of them with that finger injury Alex Caruso with the wrist he played 25 minutes last game um so with Alex Caruso you know his his price I guess is, is fair the minutes are going to be there he did close out the last contest that's all well and good but like there, there's just not enough not enough ball to go around on a team that number one is going to be running him alongside Rondo for long stretches and also have LeBron and Anthony Davis out there. He's just along for the ride. If he falls into a couple of assists and steals and knocks down his three to five shots, th there, there might be something there. But aside from that, I think we have a pretty good understanding of what we're going to get with Caruso. So long as Rajon Rondo's in the rotation as well. Yeah. So I think with Caruso, he, he was a priority play for me earlier in the week because he was, a thousand dollars cheaper and when you when we were starved for value and we had Alex Caruso playing you know 26 minutes and he was a guy who was 32 3400 in showdown then he was a really viable value option but now that he's been priced up to 4400 I think he's okay if you're filling out the end of your roster and you have that much salary left over you could roster him but but I don't want to go out of my way to roster Alex Caruso anymore do you have any interest in green or or Contavious Caldwell Pope who's Last couple of games have been like they, they've been passable from a showdown standpoint. 20 fantasy points, 20, 26. Not terrible, but a lot of that is contingent upon whether or not he hits his threes. He's attempted uh, five threes in three consecutive games. Uh, he's shooting eight for 15 on those shots. So that's good. KCP's never going to get to the line. Like he had five or I think he had six straight games without a free throw attempt, averaging 28 minutes per game. That's the type of player he is, Greg. And quite frankly, there's a lot of them in this game specifically. Like this game, Jeremy Grant's very rarely going to get to the line. Green, Caldwell Pope. Most of these guys, many of them are just spot up three-point shooters that if they knock down their shots, they can give you a chance. Gary Harris being another perfect example of that. And the list goes on. 
so you have them at the bottom of both of these, uh, both of the player or the player pool for both of these teams. Let's round it out here with the Lakers. You talked about um, you talked about Kyle Kuzma and a couple others. Are there any guys that you say, you know what, they're cheap enough, they're dirt cheap, as a matter of fact. You talked about Caruso as well, uh, and they're not getting a ton of ownership. Maybe I'll just throw them in there. You talked about Robert Williams last night. Uh, anything similar on on Thursday? Uh, no, there's 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 no Robert Williams in this game because, I mean, if we look at the two big men on the Lakers, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, I think both of them are viable options, although they're coming in pretty popular. Uh, surprisingly, P.J. Dozier's projecting for a decent amount of ownership after playing zero minutes last game. So that's something kind of interesting. It, it's hard for me to have confidence in P.J. Dozier after he didn't see the, uh, the floor last game. Uh, between Dwight Howard at 3,600 and JaVale McGee at 2,400, um, I guess a slight lean towards Dwight Howard just because he played more minutes in the regular season and he was the better fantasy producer. The issue with JaVale McGee is he hasn't been the same permanent fantasy producer in the playoffs that we saw in the regular season. And so far this, this series, he has scored one fantasy point, 11 fantasy points, seven fantasy points. This is even though he's now starting for the Lakers again. Uh, Dwight Howard, here's the thing that's kind of interesting about Dwight is we look at the, the Lakers rebound struggles last game. They got a, a rebounded almost by a two to one ratio by the Nuggets last game. And to me, I think the easiest way to shore up that rebound margin is you play Dwight Howard more minutes. So I, I don't think he's going to play 20 minutes or anything like that, but I think 18 minutes is within the realm of possibility for Dwight Howard. And if he gets that many minutes with his per minute production, I think that he's pretty likely to be the best, if not the best than one of the top two or three best value plays on the slate. So of the cheap guys, Dwight Howard's one that stands out to m- the most to me. All right. You also can't be Anthony Davis, play 43 minutes and have two rebounds either. <laughs> no, which... Also, that was a really odd game. Uh, th- I mean, it was just such an outlier in terms of rebound numbers. Sure. So I, I, I don't know what to make. I'm not, I'm not putting too much of a read into it other than saying that I know it's going to be a priority for the Lakers to rebound the ball more. And that's why I think that Dwight Howard could play a couple extra minutes. It's very possible. Hey, if you guys haven't heard yet, we're beefing up in a big way the Osmo Express Pass. It's $3.95 a week, $3.95 a week. Uh, we've included all of our NFL premium showdown content, the projections, the ownership projections, the top plays, the rankings, you name it, the articles, everything now is included in the express pass. So for three ninety five dollars a week, you're already getting a lot of cool stuff. Now, you're ba- if this is worth three ninety five dollars a week or more for just the showdown content. Uh, maybe it'd be different if some of these prize pools were $10,000, but you're talking about monster, monster prizes, monster top prizes, monster prize pools every single day. Well, not every single day. Every single day there's a showdown from Thursday to Sunday to Monday. It's included for all of those days. Anytime there's a showdown, all of that's included in the Express Pass. It's $3.95 a week. If you're looking to get into more sports and not just football, you want to jump into basketball, uh, MLB with the playoffs coming up, 16 game or 16 teams are going to make it, which means that we're still going to have some sizable NBA or MLB contests uh, and a lot of content on the site. PGA in full swing. Got the greatest PGA stuff and analysts out there. Of course, ownership projections, top golfer tool, player projections, all of which are created, developed, used by Alex Baker himself, number one ranked DFS player in the world. Uh, These are actually his tools, not just sticking his name on it. These are really his tools. 
He uses them. He puts them on the site for us to use as well. So we have monthly, we have all access weekly for every sport. Cause if they have contests on DraftKings and FanDuel, we've got content for it. We have projections and ownership and everything you need to be a successful DFS player, the lineup builder and the fantasy cruncher add on all of that great stuff at awesome.com slash join. But if you're working on a budget right now and you like the showdown slates, uh, and you don't have the money right now to put out for a full out weekly or a full monthly. It's too much at the time being three ninety five a week. You get all of the showdown content access to all of that on top of everything that was already included in the express package for less than $4 a week. So we'll see you over there. When you sign up, be sure to check us out. Say hi in the premium Slack chat. You got people talking DFS sports, betting sports all day, all night long. It's a good community over there. So come and join us. Awesome.com slash join. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and build a lineup before we head out of here. Um, we'll go, we'll, let's avoid being duped by 5,000 other people. We'll, <laughs> we'll do our best to n- try not to get a duplicate on, you know, 3% of the field. So I'll let you start, kick it off with the captain spot. Yeah, I, for me, just looking at the ownership right now, I think it, I think it has to be LeBron. Uh, between LeBron and AD, I think that there's four players we're really considering for the captain series. So that's LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray. First things first, I'm going to take Murray and Jokic out of consideration just because of the ownership. And then we're comparing LeBron to Anthony Davis. And just because LeBron has been the much higher upside player in the playoffs, that's going to be where my priority is at captain. All right. You said LeBron? Yes. All right. So we'll throw LeBron into the captain spot. Uh, I'm going to go with Rajon Rondo. I think I think Rajon Rondo is one way to really differentiate. A little bit of ownership right now, but uh, it's not extreme. So I'll throw I'll throw Jokic in there, and now we've got 3,900 remaining. It, it's it's going to be tough to make this work, but everyone else is going to be running into the same issues as well, Greg. Yeah. So all right, go cheap, and now it's. Who's viable below? And I don't want to play JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard in lineups together. Um, Torrey Craig played Torrey Craig played 15 minutes last game, 23 minutes the game before. He has scored double-digit fantasy points in six of the last seven postseason games. I think if you really need to save salary, I think we could go to Torrey Craig. Uh, not necessarily a high upside play, but I, I could see how people get on uh, – uh, could get to Tory Craig today. And I, I think he's probably going to be in my player pool now, now that we're building lineups and we're seeing how much we're going to need value. So that leaves us with 5,800 in the Jeremy Grant region. Perfect. I guess we don't have much of a choice on this one. <laughs> Jeremy no. Grant getting low ownership. You got three Lakers, LeBron, Rondo, and Howard, three Nuggets, Jokic, Tory Craig, and Jeremy Grant. Toy around with it, make some adjustments, and uh, obviously just try and do, try and think a little bit differently than what everyone else is doing. Strange things happen in postseason games. Coaches make adjustments. They, you know, they will change things up. We saw it with with Cantor and then and Robert Williams, and we've seen it so many different times. A Tory, or sorry, PJ Dozier getting minutes and then never coming off the bench. Sometimes all you need is 15, 17 minutes to get you where you need to go. Rondo's another good example. 20, 21, 22 minutes, and then he plays 30. So I don't know. I almost wonder if Rondo in the captain spot makes sense. So hear me out, uh, Greg. If Rondo, if Rondo were to score, like what do we put Rondo's ceiling at at 30 minutes? I mean, he could score 45 fantasy points. 
Yeah, I, th- I think realistically, I'd say somewhere in the 40 range. That's been his biggest fantasy game of the of the postseason and his permanent production. I think somewhere around 40, it, excluding some kind of crazy outlier, it's probably his realistic ceiling. The only problem there is if you put Rondo in the captain spot, you still come into a, a, an area where you can't get to Murray or Davis. If you put LeBron in the utility, Rondo in the captain, Jokic in the utility, it, it's still really tough to get there unless you go all the way down to the bottom and play somebody at like $1,000, which I don't, the only one down there that could get any minutes is PJ Dozier. So, yeah. And the other thing about PJ Dozier is even though he played zero minutes and his playing time was uncertain last game, he ended up being ridiculously popular. He was like 35% owned or something like that in, in the big GPP. So, I, I, it's it's tough for me to really go to, to PJ Dozier. There's other value options I'd rather look at. I'll throw this one at you, and then I'll, and then we can get off. Rondo and the captain, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Jamal Murray, Torrey Craig, PJ Dozier. So you got you got LeBron, Murray, Anthony Davis, and Rajon Rondo in this lineup. Gotta take some chances, man. Greg, hey. any last words before we head out for the morning? Scared money doesn't make money. Take some chances. Play Robert Williams. Play some crazy guy who might play zero minutes, but might score, might might play some minutes also. Because here's the thing with these showdown contests. It's a one-game slate, and it's so top-heavy. If you're not playing for first, then chances are you're probably losing in these contests over the long haul, especially if you're playing multiple entries. So don't be afraid to take risks. Make some weird lineups. Look at the ownership projections that we have at awesomeo.com because that is, to me, the best way to go about building your showdown lineups. You want to look at some of these guys and who is realistic upside at low ownership, who's going under-owned based on who you think is going to play well. And that's how I like to go about building the lineup. So don't necessarily look at it and say who's the safest play. It's who has the most upside relative to what they're being owned by the field. You got that right. Free content on the site today at awesomeo.com, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, NFL showdown rankings and the NFL projections just for today. Ownership rankings. Sorry, the NFL projections for week three for today. They're free. Ownership rankings for NBA and MLB player projections. We want you guys to, to get a look behind the curtain, uh, see some of the great stuff we have there before you decide to sign up. Remember, go to awesomeo.com. Check out our podcast network as well and oddshopper.awesomeo.com. You know I've been talking about this and promoting it, but that's because I, I really love it. It's free. And if, if you're sports betting, if you enjoy player props, even just using it as research for your DFS lineups, which is a great thing to do, looking at props, looking at odds, looking at totals move, looking at spreads, you can set everything up to get alerted with a watch list when something moves in a direction one way or the other. You can simply search a player's name to pull up their props. Um, you can have a bet tracker to track all your bets. Sky's the limit. It's entirely free. And there's some amazing offers at a bunch of sports books. Like, insane offers these books are throwing money around right now so jump in on that before it's too late you know it's a revolution baby we'll see you over there uh follow greg at greg Ehrenberg. no g Ehrenberg, right g Ehrenberg yeah, dfs Ehrenberg dfs on twitter and myself Lafay underscore d l-o-u-g-h-y underscore d stick around coming up next it's the mlb strategy show at 10 a.m eastern time You've got your boys, Adam Scher, Josh Engelman, and then myself, Matt Savoka, 11 a.m., full matchup breakdown. It's going to be a long one. Bring some pizza, maybe a large cup of coffee, because we're going 13 games, one by one, for week three NFL slate. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the NBA Strategy Show.